We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys already know to follow me at. I'm verified. Now you can see my face to go along with it. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, we got a special guest with us on the show here. First time joining us on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. He is a cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. We have DJ Reed on the line. DJ, hey man, how's it going? What's good, you guys? Man, I'm just chilling. Um, you know, looking forward to this interview. All right, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it too, man. After you, uh, I think after the one of them games, or the Rams game, or maybe that first Niners game, Chris told me he's like, Mike, we got to get DJ on the show. Um, we got to get DJ on the show. And that was in like October. So very glad uh, to be making it happen, man. I want to I want to get to this NFC West. I got to start there because the NFC West been turned up all offseason for multiple reasons. And I want to start with week 16. You guys beat the Rams. You clinched the division. And there's a clip of you and Jamal Adams talking to the sideline. You guys are hype. You know, just clinched. You know, you're like, I want my hat and shirt. You know, referring to the NFC West Championship shirts. You guys get them. Jamal smokes the cigar it's on, on the Zoom. It's a great, great moment. Obviously, you guys run it back with the Rams uh, two weeks later. And they win that time. And then you guys season. And then Jalen Ramsey and those guys let it be known. You guys can take them hats and shirts to Cabo. Uh, basically, you know, he's gloating a little bit. You know, what was when you saw that clip of Jalen and those guys talking? You know, what was your reaction to that this offseason? Well, you know, we knew it was going to come. Obviously, when we won the NFC West, you know, we was talking on, you know, our talk. Uh, we, we clinched the division, which is important. Um, but I mean, you know, in this league, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice in a row. And, um, you know, what I'm saying they game plan for us, they came out, their defense was balling. And, um, I mean, they got the job done at the end of the day, and we lost the first round of playoffs, which was, you know, obviously devastating. But, um, you know, it was just trash talk at the end of the day. Um, There's definitely a rivalry. Like, I felt that even playing in the first game. And, you know, we played them three times. Obviously, they won twice. We won once. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a rivalry there. So, I can't wait for this year. Uh, were, were they talking on the field in that wild card game? Or, like, did you not even know about it until after when it went viral online? No, nah, they was talking. Um, 
you know, during the game, you know, it's always trash talk. But um, I felt like, you know, the NFC game, they obviously felt, you know, some type of way. <laughs> you know, obviously we beat them in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, uh, I mean the NFC West game to clinch the division. So, obviously they felt some type of way. You know, Jalen's already a trash talker. So, you know, I didn't really hear him, you know, talk directly to me. But um, obviously the videos went viral. So, yeah. <laughs> Are, are you already looking forward to that uh, that next Seahawks Rams game in 2021? Oh yeah, I can't wait. Bro. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, you know, you had you had also a great soundbite. You know, after the Washington game, I think it was Week 15, you played really well against uh, Terry McLaurin. Had to pick that game too. But afterwards, you, know, you were probably the first person I think uh, we heard declare like, "Yo, if we don't win the Super Bowl, the season's a failure." You know, there was a debate going on within like the fan base and the media. You know, what's a successful season? Um, is it the NFC title game? Is it make the Super Bowl? And you said it kind of uh, point blankly. Um, at what point when you uh, in the lineup did you realize, like, yo, this team is good enough to make the Super Bowl and win, and if we don't, it's a failure? Yeah, well, I knew that just when I first got with the team. Like, the Seahawks always contend. Like, they're always in the loop. They're the top eight teams in the league, like, every year that I've been in the league. So just knowing that I'm playing for the Seahawks, you know, I got Russell Wilson as my QB. Like, he's going to make – all type of stuff happen for the offense and then obviously the defense. But, you know, as the year, as we kept playing, like when I when I first came back against the Niners, I knew that our defense was good. And obviously the media was bashing them because uh, our defense was giving up a lot of yards. Um, like it was on track to set a record or something crazy, mm-hmm. like something crazy like that. So but once I got back, you know, I felt like the defense, like we all start eating. We were communicating. Everybody started getting that rhythm, that confidence down. So I felt like our defense started, you know, balling. And, um, like, I knew that we could, you know, obviously get to the playoffs, win, you know. We we always say get to, to three to four games, and that's how you get to the Super Bowl. And um, I, I thought, obviously, that we could win. I mean, that's my mindset going into the season. Like, that's why I play the game. I want to win multiple Super Bowls. Like, when I'm done playing, I want it to be like, yeah, DJ Reed, like, he had a legacy. Like, he won multiple Super Bowls for the teams he played on. Um, like I want to be a Hall of Famer. Like I got those type of aspirations and mm-hmm. goals. So that's why I go out there and I sacrifice my body, obviously, for to be able to get the opportunity to play for a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And obviously for the guys that I'm out there with. And, you know, I've been to a Super Bowl when I was on the Niners. And, you know, we was up by 10. We was up by 10 with like seven minutes left and didn't, didn't finish it. So, like, that obviously, uh, you know, that messed with me for, like, honestly, like, for a whole month. Like, I was, you know, devastated because we was just right there. So that's definitely a goal. That's, like, on the bucket list for sure. Speaking of sacrificing your body, that's what you do when you play football and injuries can occur. And I want to say summer of 2020, you realized you had a torn pectoral muscle. How concerned were you about your future considering that injury? Yeah, I mean, when I tore it, so I tore it bench pressing. And when I mm. tore it, obviously I knew I tore something. It was either my labrum or my pec. And it was more mentally devastating because this is probably about two weeks before training camp. So I was grinding from probably early March up until that point. Like I'm talking about grinding, bro. Like the hardest summer I ever went. Like I was at JLT. That's where I train at. And I was going in, me and my bros, like, we were working out every day. And, like, my body, it was, 
I was in the most shape I've ever been in. And for that to happen, it was just like mentally devastating. Like, dang, I put so much, you know, into this. Um, Career-wise, I wasn't really, I knew I was going to be on the team, um, whether it was the Niners. I knew a team would pick me up just from my skill set. But it was more mentally just devastating for that year because I was going to have to miss the whole year. Speaking of the Niners, they ended up cutting ties with you and they didn't believe that you could play this year. How much of that prided you through that through this season with the Seahawks, knowing that a team kind of gave up on you and was like, yeah, we don't think he's going to be able to return. How did that fuel you for the 2020 campaign and moving forward in your career as a corner? Oh, yeah, it made me hungry. I mean, I was already hungry, but it made me hungrier, I would say. And I definitely had a chip on my shoulder you know, coming into the league, but that basically put like a whole boulder on my on my shoulder. Um, just like rehabbing, I was, you know, I was with my doctor. Um, my doctor name is Michael, and bro, I was literally rehabbing at the facility with the Seahawks, and then I would go home and I would rehab with my doctor. He'll come to my crib and we'll do more rehab. And they didn't know that. Like I was doing push-ups and stuff like months. I wasn't supposed to be doing push-ups on my pec, but like we was doing aggressive like rehab so I could get back fast. Yep. So um, we definitely pushed it, but it's it's a big reason why I got back on the field that early. And how were you uh, able to like be ready, like mentally in terms of the playbook and all that, the knowledge of the scheme with a team you're unfamiliar with? Like everyone talked about how ready, <laughs> you know, you were from from the jump. You talked about your physical, you know, part of getting ready. What were you doing in the playbook, you know, while you were rehabbing? Yeah, like this year was really a blessing in disguise because I actually got to sit out of football and I haven't sat out of football since I was a kid. So I actually, when the Seahawks were going through training camp, I was watching Dunbar, I was watching Trey, I was watching Shaq, and I was literally just watching the offense. I was watching formations. I was seeing what Russell would check to. I would see like if it's three by one, what is the single receiver running? I start like really thinking about like football, not even thinking it from an athletic standpoint. You like really just use, using my mind, like, okay, in two by two in a cover three scheme, teams like to run seams. Like that's what they're gonna attack is the seams. Um if it's a blitz, like if they know they know when we're blitzing, because we have one guy rushing, one extra guy rushing, who is the who is the quick check down? Like I was just learning like little things and formation recognition, things that I've never really done. So once I got back on the field, I actually started applying that and like like football became really easy for me. Was it just a, a coincidence that you, your debut for the Seahawks was against the Niners? Uh, you know, how did that go? Were you, you had that game circled as soon as you got signed? Yeah. So, <laughs> no, for real. Like, I bet. The first thing I did was I asked Tank, he's one of the trainers on the Seahawks, I asked him, what's the earliest time I could get back? And he was just like, four months is the earliest you will be able to legally get back. And I was like, what What week is that around? And he was like, that's around week eight. So mm-hmm. week, week eight, we're playing the Rams, but week seven was the Niners. So I asked him, could I play week seven? And he said he would have to check because we have a bye week. So that might account for week eight. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to get back for that game. I'm going to make sure I'm ready for that game. And so mm-hmm. did all the rehab right was very deliberate with how I did it. Um, obviously training, um, getting back in football shape. I did all that right with the trainers. And, you know, mentally I was in the film 
film room, just learning, you know what I'm saying, learning a new scheme. Not a new scheme, but a new playbook, ultimately. Same thing that the Niners ran, but just different terminology. But um, really was just focusing on myself. Like, I had no outside distractions. I was with my girl, and I literally would go home, do more rehab, and watch film. Like, that was, like, my life. And then, obviously, watch Netflix once I was done. <laughs> I was really just locked in, bro. Like, this year was the most locked in I've ever been, and that's why I played well. Going into that Niners game, uh, were you angry? I wouldn't say the word angry. I would say um, I had a lot of stuff built up inside just with how everything went down. But I would say that it was very strategic. Like, I wasn't just Mm. out there just running around with my head cut off. Like, it was very strategic. Uh, You know, I I stuck to my script. I knew what I wanted to do. Um... And, yeah, I made a, a big impact on the game. How much of all that stuff you had built up and you came out on that interception when you picked off Jimmy G? Oh, man, it was it was lit, bro. It was fun. Um, with the celebration, how I gave all my teammates the ball, I already envisioned that happening. Like, I'm big on, like, meditating. So, like, during that week, I was just like, get your first career interception against your former team. Like, let's mm. do that. And if the opportunity is there, like, go take that. And then when it happened – already had that celebration in mind and I did it. So like, I literally like manifested that. You still got the ball? Oh yeah. I keep all my game. <laughs> for sure. uh, you know, after that, you started in a slot, you know, that week, obviously. And then after, I think after that, you end up making multiple starts at left corner, multiple starts at right corner. I'm pretty sure you're the first cornerback in Pete Carroll's system, you know, in a decade to be able to do all three of those things. You did them in one season. How in the world were you able to do all that? Yeah. I was just saying just my versatility, like, you know, coming out of college, I played cornerback. I was on the right side um, when I was at Kansas State and was an All-American. So I know how to cover receivers, whether they're 6'4", whether they're 5'11". Like, I could get the job done regardless. And I just feel like, you know, I've been around great coaches. So I know I know how to play corner. Like, I was with Coach Hayes um, when I was at Kansas State. He's been coaching. He's retired now, but he coached over 30 years, eight years in the league. So he taught me a lot. Even going back to JUCO, Coach Arnold, um, he gave me, you know, some tools to learn with. Coach Manning from Fresno State. Um, even coming into the league halfly, I played safety my rookie year. So I just feel like my knowledge of the game, especially as I get older, I'm just learning more and I'm more, I'm getting more confident, and it's making the game easy. Like I'm already athletically gifted, so I could go out there and play off of just instinct. But now I'm. Now I'm thinking about what is, what is the OC trying to run here? What is the down and distance? So I feel like I'm, I'm on that level now, which is why I'm playing well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to take it back to the Washington football game. I'm going to paraphrase best I can. You made a statement saying, hey, five, nine corners, they play in the slot. They don't play outside. What statement did you make making that transition outside and showing everyone that I'm 5'9 and I can play right corner and left corner and get it done? Yeah, I mean, I knew from the get, like me and Pete were talking about it because our secondary, especially corners, were having a lot of injuries, a lot of bang-ups, like hamstring injuries and just injuries. So he asked me, like, you know, I watched your tape. Like, would you rather play safety or corner? And I was like, I'd rather play corner by far. He was mm-hmm. like, okay. He was like, remember that? And I was like, all right, that's the thing. <laughs> you know, he threw me in there. Like, my first start was against the Rams. And, you know, obviously I haven't played corner since college, so it's been, like, three years. So, I mean, at first I was just a little nervous. Like, just don't get beat deep. Just don't get with the deep ball. But then as you see, as the years start going by, I started getting, like, you know what I'm saying, in my zone and real confident. And I started getting back to my, like, my corner ways. Mm-hmm. And I started making a lot of plays on the ball. Now, I'm a big Deion Sanders fan, and of course, it's easy to say because he was the greatest of all time at his position, right? But I wanted to hear your thoughts on who you watched growing up that stood out to you that you're like, I like his game. I want to mirror it. Or maybe you just liked his game, and that's the attitude you went with. Is there anyone out there that you watched your game and watched their game and got it from? Yeah, I would say I definitely watched, if you want to go old school or older, I would say um, Champ Bailey was Mm. one. I was obviously he was athletically gifted. He had great yep. skills. Um, one guy that I thought was underrated that was doing it at my height was Brent Grimes. Ooh, great! Probably cold. The, probably the best feet, the, the quickest break. Um, you know, I seen him clank dudes like I seen him clank Calvin Johnson, Julio at the height of five nine. So I got a lot of respect for Brent Grimes. Um, I will also say. You know, I watched in college, I watched Tyron Matthews, a lot of him, just how versatile he is. Um, he gave me a lot of confidence because um, he was playing corner. He was, you know, catching kicks in college, you know, scoring touchdowns and just being a playmaker. Um, also, Jason Verrett, he's still playing well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's been plagued by injuries, but when he's healthy, he's, he's, a, he's a force. And, um, yeah, I used to watch him when he was at TCU. Um, can't forget about Darrell Revis, just his technique. His technique really showed me like it doesn't you don't have to run a four three or a four two. If you play with good eyes and you play patient at the line of scrimmage, you could get the job done against anybody. And um yeah, he showed me a lot. Like I used to watch his practice tapes, it's on YouTube. Um obviously I watched his highlights and his games, but um he's a great football player. Now the word around town is being too short playing to play cornerback. How is that? transformed your journey and where you are today as proving all the haters. Well, actually, I wouldn't say haters. Just proving all the doubters wrong that even though I'm 5'9", I can still play cornerback. And you mentioned Brent Grimes, who he was damn good as a position, even though he was undersized. Yeah, and honestly, uh, it's crazy. I was talking to my girl about this probably about a week and a half ago, but she was asking, like, if you were, like, 6'2", 6'3", would you be where you are today? And I was like, honestly, probably not. Like, I probably wouldn't be as hungry because people would have just wanted me by, you know, just looking at me like, oh, okay, you passed the look test. We're going to give you a scholarship instead of, like, my game. So, 
you know, I'm really detailed and intricate with how I train. I'm really deliberate with um, how I perform when I go on the field to train. Um, and, you know, I always think about, you know, my journey, like if I ever feel tired or if I ever feel like, you know, not really wanting to do it because I'm feeling kind of, you know, sluggish or tired that day. I put those thoughts in my head, what coaches, you know, told me, and then I snap out of it and I get, you know, back on track. So like my journey is, has shaped me and who I am. So I'm grateful to be fine now. What were some of the the toughest parts of your of your journey coming up? Not in the league, but I'm talking to like from or the Fresno or JC or K State. Just what were some of the the toughest parts about that? For me, the toughest parts were when I went to Fresno State because that was the first time where, you know, <laughs> simply put, like the coaches weren't feeling me. Um, you know, I was working my butt off, grinding. I redshirted there for a whole year, and it was just like. What am I doing this for? Like, I got my spring evaluation, and they basically told told me that they just see me playing special teams. They don't see me contribute on defense. So I was just like, it was devastating here because, you know, I, I spent the whole year there literally working out, practicing with the team. And for them to say, like, we don't see you playing corner, it was just like a kind of a slap in the face. So that was tough because it was just like, what are you going to do? And obviously I came – you know, to the point that I said, I'm going to go JUCO and give it one more shot. And if I don't get recruited from my JUCO, then I'll just, you know, get a regular job or figure something else out. But that'll probably be the end of my football career. So it was just like a reality check. And that was that was pretty, pretty nerve wracking and stressful mm -hmm. at the time. So, yeah, I would say Fresno State and obviously JUCO. Just JUCO, I was telling myself, you can't get injured because if you get injured, no one's going to recruit you. So I, I was taking care of my body to the best of my ability. And, you know, with JUCO, it was just kind of stressful because I had to get my AA degree. So on top of that, I had to make sure I didn't fail any classes or I would have to stay there another year. And obviously my living situation was horrible in JUCO. So it was a lot of, it was a lot in JUCO too. It was a lot of questions like, am I going to be able to get a scholarship this year? I sure hope so because this living situation is bad. I'm not really knowing when my next meals are coming. Um, I'm literally just taking it one day at a time. So those two experiences definitely shaped my career and definitely put a big chip on my shoulder. It made me really hungry. And it also made me grateful when I did get the opportunity to go to Kansas State. I was grateful for it. Like, I didn't take it for granted. I didn't take the food for granted. I didn't take the housing for granted. Like, I was really grateful and appreciated. Tell us a little about your, your living situation when you was at JC. I read a little bit about it, but for our people listening now, like how, how tough was it? It was bad, bro. It was it was bad. It was probably like 600 square feet. It was mm. eight dudes. I would say eight to nine. Like some dudes was coming in and out to live there. Um, obviously, the house was a mess. There was nobody to clean it. Guys weren't cleaning up after themselves. And, you know, I didn't have a say. I couldn't say, like, hey, bro, can you clean up? Like, because I wasn't paying any rent, so I had no say. So I would sleep on the floor, and then um, it was a fruitine. It was like a fruitine little couch, a dirty fruitine couch. <laughs> we would, um, guys that weren't paying rent, we would, like, switch. So, like, every day I would sleep on the floor. Next day I will sleep on the fruitine, and then we would just, like, mm -hmm. in and out. And the guys that were paying the rent, they were in the room. So it was like bunk beds. But since they paying rent, like obviously they get the bed. So it was tough, bro. Like it was really tough. But I'm grateful I went through it. How did you have the confidence? Because if I read this correctly, 
Um, you had other offers like to go after uh, the places that were smaller schools, but you knew something bigger, like a power five, like K-State was going to come eventually. How did you have the confidence to, to turn down those other offers considering your situation and to know, hey, yo, I got a big offer coming. I can feel it. Yeah. So my first um, offer was Indiana State. And when I went there, you know, it was cool. Like I had a good time. They showed me a good time. You know, the women there, they were pretty. Like the girls were pretty. I was OK. But then. You know, I was watching, like, the highlights, and I was just like, man, my Juco could get at these dudes. Like, my, <laughs> I was like, my Juco good. I think my Juco could get them around for their money. And I was like, bro, you got to go somewhere bigger. Like, I want to showcase my talents, you know, at a at a bigger level. Like, no disrespect. So they offered me. It was emotional. Like, I cried because that was my first offer. Like, they was willing to pay for my for everything. So it was, it was emotional. But I told them, like, I'm going to have to go talk this out with my mom back in Cali. And so <laughs> the next week, Kansas State called and they offered me. And I was like, I was like, man, Big 12. I was like, that's dope. Went on my visit and I loved it. And after that, I started getting, I got uh, more offers. Like Miami, Miami was next. Arkansas, Syracuse, Nebraska, um, Colorado. Like it was like more schools, but I committed to Kansas State because it just felt right. Like it was lit. Like it was lit. They um, we went to a basketball game, and Oklahoma was number one. They beat Oklahoma, and like the crowd was crazy. It was packed. Um, yeah, it just felt right. How much of the perseverance that you have, you know, and the bounce back that you have in you, how much of that comes from your mother? Oh yeah, it's everything comes from my mother because that's who I, you know, I learned everything from her. Like she, she's the definition of a hustler. Like I've seen her work two to three jobs. I've seen her leave the house at 6.30, 7, come back to the house at 8.30, come home and cook, you know what I'm saying, and never complain, like, never complain, like, always trying to get money to provide for us. And, like, I respect her so much, and I love her so much for, obviously, she's my mom, but, like, just the work she put in and the gratitude she always had, she always gives thanks to God. Like, that's everything in her life. Um, even when she was sick, when she had breast cancer, never heard her complain. She went through chemo, never heard her complain, always gave credit to God, always thanked God in the midst of darkness, light, whatever the situation was. Like, and just from that, like, I just, you know, I was just like, man, she really taught me, like, you shouldn't complain about your situation because people got it worse. So what was that moment like for you and your mom and your whole family, probably when you got drafted by the Niners in 2018? Oh, man, it was emotional, bro. Like, <laughs> I told myself, I was like, I'm not going to cry. But, yeah, when I got the call, I seen a, a Santa Clara area code. So I thought it was the Raiders. I didn't know. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, Raiders, okay. Then they called, and it was um, John answered the phone. He was just like, this is John Lynch with the Niners. We're going to take you with the 142nd pick. Once he said that, I kind of, like, just went black mode. Like, everything just went quiet. He was still talking, but. Like I, was, <laughs> I just broke down and it was just like, damn, all this work you put in, bro, like you just never quit. Like I always tell myself, like if you never you'll never fail if you never quit. Like if you just keep going, you're gonna get somewhere. And just, you know, just to get drafted, that's every kid's dream. So it was a blessing. Now I want to look at the roster that's currently constructed. The cornerback position is gonna be fun. There's a lot of talent there, and they're bringing in someone who you know. Or at least I'm assuming, you know, I could be completely wrong. You might not know him at all, but Akello Witherspoon. What are the Seahawks getting in this corner? And 
Are you excited to have him a part of this Seahawks roster now? Yeah, so I do know Akello. We played, um, obviously, when I was a rookie and my second year with the Niners. And, I mean, Akello, you know, you're getting a, a good football player. Like, first of all, he's all of 6'3". Um, like, it's not just on paper. Like, if you see him, he's a big dude. He's all of 6'3". And one thing I love about him is his technique. Like, his re-step, he probably has one of the best, if not the best, re-step in the league. And if you don't know what re-step is, it's just a technique at the line, and you just sidestepping when you're impressed. Um, he does a good job getting his hands on receivers. Um, and, yeah, he gives a lot of good receivers problems. Like, he's a really good cornerback. Now, I could be guessing here, but from watching your film and watching how you play the game, it seems like you love manning up. Like, when the Seahawks go cover zero and you got one guy in front of you, you know you just can't let him beat you, I feel like you go to another level. Is that Am I seeing that correctly? Do you love the one-on-one -on -one matchups more than just chilling in the cover three, not getting beat deep, and making sure you're playing your zone correctly? No, I do. I love I love playing man because, like, you, when you get beat, you can't blame anybody. It's, it's on you. Like, so I love that pressure. I love if I get beat, it's on me. Like, it's not like if I'm in cover three and he runs a slant. I was supposed to have somebody there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's me. It's me versus the receiver. Who's better? Who's gonna Who's gonna win? So I definitely love being a man because I don't like giving up catches. To be honest with you, who was the one matchup this season where you were like, I want to see him again next year because I got something for him. I'm not saying that he, you had a bad game, but you knew you had more left in the tank, and you just for whatever reason you just get to that next level of that game. Is there anyone out there? I mean. I wouldn't say a certain player. I mean, I'm just looking forward to playing against the receivers really in the NFC West. Like, yeah. it's really the best division by far, in my opinion, um, especially with the offseason, you know, the offseason guys, you know, really read, read up, like teams really read up. So, I mean, I'm just looking forward to playing in the NFC against the Niners, the Cardinals, the Rams, really everybody. Um, and um, we got Washington, too, so I'm looking forward to playing against them, too. I have a favorite. Uh, I I was watching. I watched tape. Watched tape. Everybody, but I was watching tape of DBs recently. I think I tagged you in one of the, the posts, actually, on Instagram. I have a favorite player of yours from last season, but I'm not gonna say it. What's your favorite? Let's see if we got the same one. Give me your favorite play that you made uh, in 2020. <laughs> There's some plays that the ball wasn't even thrown my way, but just with, you know, I was belling in some plays, and just the way I was just fluid with my hips. I'm just like, ooh, that's nice. Like, that's <laughs> That's teach tape. Like, if someone watching film, they can appreciate that. But um, I would say one of my favorite plays would probably be against um, Washington um, in the low red zone where they tried me with the fade. I felt like my technique and how I played mm. that uh, back shoulder was like teach tape. And also the interception I had that game in cover three, like that's, that's teach tape um, with the crosser route, with two deep developing routes, how I came off because of my free safety uh, digs. He was on the post so I could fall off. I thought that was a teach tape. Um, the one you posted, that was mm -hmm. a, that was great awareness, um, playing cover two. But, you know, obviously the quarterback extended the play and just getting my eyes on the receiver and looking back and making a play, that was teach tape. Um, I mean, it's other plays. I would say, no, nah, I was on the tight end when I made the play. <laughs> the Rams. I don't count. I don't count tight ends. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I would say, like, the pick on Kiddo, but, like, that's a tight end. Obviously, he's a great tight end, but I'm trying to think of receiver plays. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, those are some, those are some good ones, man. You you gave yeah. gave mine away, man. I think that one on JD McKissick, man, against the Washington team, because I feel like that's one. If you're like a DB coach or or a, a really DB guru like Pete, like on Monday after the game, that's one of the ones. He's like, yo, I loved every bit of that. Did did Pete or uh, or or Coach Curtis say anything specific about that play the next day? I mean, it was just like great job, like because. We were in cover two on that play, so technically I could have just did my job, like. But then, really, nobody was there because it was an extended play. So I, do, I was just playing football, and I think that's why Pete likes me a lot. Like I'm not a robot out there. Like I'm a, I'm a obviously do what they want me to do, but you know I'm gonna get the job done. Like because things happen on the field. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, you play you play a little bit with Sherm. You know, we love talking about Sherm on this show. Loved covering Sherm. Uh, shoot, I wouldn't be mad if he came back. Uh, but what did, what did you learn from him uh, when you were together in San Francisco? I learned a lot from Sherm, and it's crazy because I sat literally I sat next to Sherm. So in every meeting, I'm sitting by Sherm, and he taught me a lot. But at the time, it wasn't clicking for me because I'm young. You know, everybody is telling me you know information. I'm learning a whole new position. I'm playing free safety. Sherm used to come into meetings with no notebook. And I used mm. to ask him all the time, I'm, all, I'm over your head down, <laughs> taking notes. Like, I'm not even interpreting what they're saying because I'm just taking so much notes. And then I asked him one day, like, bro, why you don't take any notes? He was like, man, he said, DJ, he's like, I've seen this a thousand times. Mm. And he said, he was just like, you once you start learning the game, Every offense does similar things. And he was just like, he was giving me the examples like low red zone, teams run this and this. High red zone, teams going to take shots. Um, low red zone, teams are going to run the ball. Logo area, teams are taking shots. Um, it was just a lot he was telling me. He was just like, pair slot, teams are going to run Dino. Max protection look, like he was just putting me on game but it wasn't really processing. But once I got to the Seahawks, once I was sitting out and I was learning like offensive formations, I was like, oh, this is what Sherman was talking about. Mm. I was like, okay. I was like, that makes sense. Like, so once you kind of know what's coming before it's coming, it makes your job easier instead of just being out there playing on instinct, which that's what I was doing my rookie year. You know, wow, man! Sherm was helping the Seahawks, and he didn't even know it. Yeah, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't even know. He's giving the advice, and it didn't click. Got up here, though. No, that's 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 good, man. Go, going into this uh, this season, I guess we've mentioned you played nickel, you played right, you played left. Where do you want to play in twenty twenty one? 
I mean, me personally, I want to play cornerback, but if something was to happen, you know, if they were to get Sherm or they wanted me in the slot, in the nickel, I wouldn't mind, like, playing nickel. Like, I could get that done, too, but I want to be out there on the outside, personally. Why is that? I already told you, like, just that outside, that's my home, bro. Like, mm -hmm. I played it in college. Like, I played that in my whole life. So, coming into the league, I felt like they tried to just put me in this genre, like, hey, not, not from my game, but, like, just because of my height, like, hey, you're a slot corner. You're not a corner. And I always, like, had a problem with that because even, like, when I got drafted, they said the same thing, like, we're going we're gonna to play you at free safety and we're going to play you at nickel. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, I was just an All-American at corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, real talk, like, I was just an All-American at cornerback in the Big 12, a pass mm. at the conference. Yeah. It's it gets real out there in the Big 12. Like, that ball is getting thrown. So, you, <laughs> if you're not on your money, you are going to get exposed, like, straight up. And, yeah, I always, like, kind of question that. Like, why can I not play corner at this level? Like, who created that stigma or whatever? So, it was a blessing, you know, to be able to get the opportunity to play corner this year. Defensively, what should we expect from the Seattle Seahawks this 2021 season? Man... I mean, honestly, you know, I can't really, you know, give you something like, oh, we're going to be the best defense, but... Mm -mm. Respect, you know, yeah. Yeah, Snyder is definitely, you know, got some guys. Um, Hyder, I'm, I'm happy that we got him. We, we obviously re-signed Dunlap. You know, we got Bobby. I hope we re-signed KJ, because KJ mm -hmm. was a big part of our defense last year. Um, we got Akello, obviously. He's coming in for Shaq, because Shaq uh, went to the Jaguars and got paid. Happy for my dog. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, um, I mean, obviously we got Jamal. They the gonna, weapon. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to pay Jamal because Jamal's a dog. They got yeah. to pay Jamal. And then obviously we have Diggs. So we got two Pro Bowlers, you know, at safety. So man, it's it's lit, really. Like if we put it all together, it's gonna be very fun to watch and special. Is there is there something about? Playing at K State and then coming to the Seahawks that makes guys really good returners. Like it's or just it's just a coincidence that you and Tyler are both good at that. What's up with that? You know, like that's a great question because people think like if you go to K State, like oh they just block well, so you're a good returner. Like no, nah, like Lockett was was making plays like his rookie and like sophomore year at returning, like going crazy, and he was all American at um, kickoff returner in college. Same was I. So I just, I don't know what it is, honestly. <laughs> and anybody who's questioning whether Tyler got the skills and it's not just the blocking, I suggest they go look at some K-State highlights from yeah. 2000, was it Facts. 12, 13, 13 yeah. and 14? That boy, he's making them guys look look bad, man. Speaking of some of your teammates, though, how how, how did having veterans like Quandre, or like a KJ, or even like someone like Shaquille, who's not super older than you, but had been in the system for a while, how did having those guys, you know, make it easier for you to kind of get used to things, you know, getting, you know, stepping in mid-season last year? Yeah, I would say just in the DB room, Quandre made me feel comfortable, because if you don't know Quandre, bro, he's probably one of the funniest guys you probably ever meet. Like, he's one of the funniest guys in the locker room. Um, he just like takes tension off of things like if something serious like he'll just come up to you like he's short he's like five eight but he'll come up to you like what's up little man how you doing little man? <laughs> like, you know what i'm saying so like quandre he was probably one of the first friends i met you know um same as kj and bobby they see me rehabbing they'll check in on me like ask what books i was reading because I, I used to read books like 
during my rehab process. And they'll just check in on me, you know what I'm saying, saying, like, we're going to need you. Same as Russell. Russell used to come and just come to my locker and ask, like, how your rehab going? Like, we're going to need you. I hope you, you know, getting ready. And, like, stuff like that. Like, that really helps you mentally, just having your teammates encouraging you. That's dope, man. That's real dope. What, what were you reading while you are rehabbing? Yeah, so I finished Relentless by um, Tim Grover. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Uh-uh. What's that about? Oh, yeah. So it was basically... He was basically um, Kobe's trainer, Michael Jordan's trainer, um, Dwayne Wade's trainer. Like, he, he's trained, like, top guys. And he kind of just shows you, like, the mental approach to the game. And it's pretty, like, <laughs> it's pretty intense, to say the least. But um, it's definitely a book. It's definitely a great book to read while you're rehabbing. And um, I also read this book called Atomic Habits, which is is basically teaching you about, you know, the habits that you have, whether they're good or bad, and how to change them. And it basically just talks about like people want success and they they want all this stuff, but they don't have like a deliberate system, a day-to-day system. And he said once you once you create and establish a system, like everything you want will happen. But like you have to have a day-to-day system that you do religiously. Mm-hmm. But like that book definitely got my mind right too. You said you were on a Netflix binge as well during the rehab. <laughs> what, what was on the uh, the docket? What were you watching on Netflix? I was watching everything. Um, you put me on the spot. I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> does, 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 does your girl usually pick? Do you pick? Who gets to control the, the Netflix? It's pretty even. Like, sometimes I'll pick. Sometimes she would pick. But um, we watched Stranger Things. I watched it with her. But I rewatched mm-hmm. it. That was when I rewatched it. Um, we watched the originals, which is like a vampire uh, show on Netflix. Um trying to think we watched you the second one. Oh my show i see you on that one yes yeah, we watched you the second one uh and just things like that i don't really you put me on the spot i can't <laughs> no, it's, like, it's, it's all good man nah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick thanks again for rocking with us if let's put it this way we want to have another player on the show who do you think would fit well with Mike and I on the show. And with that answer, you have to help us. So let's say you say, I want you guys to go and get Bobby. You got to help us get Bobby on the show. So who yeah. do you think will rock well with us? And who can we get on the show that you can help with? I who you got? I think Quandre. Either Quandre. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. We already got Quandre, man. But we can no, get him we, again. No, we need him, we we need him back him on here because we need to talk some trash about this basketball. <laughs> I'm a big basketball guy. Okay. You know, and I would let Quandre know I will be. Wait, are you? Let's just start. There. Are you a basketball guy? Do you hoop? No, I hoop, but I haven't been watching March Madness. If you go, no, you're good. No, no, no. I would because because when we talked about Quandre, we had Quandre on in July. I let him know like I'm nice, and I will get Chris and four, three other media guys, just straight media guys. No other, and we will take five Seahawks in a five on five, and we will we will get busy. See, there we go. Here we go. I don't think so. I don't know about that. No, I'm gonna be honest. DJ look like he might be having some straps on D. Like DJ, Man, he might. I got <laughs> I'm a lefty. Oh, Ooh. see, I noticed that too. I noticed he's lefty. Okay. No, that's cool. I like the I like the confidence. No, because that's because we got to get Quandre back on to talk. Because he's him, John John Arsua, uh, who else? Russ. Yeah, no, Russ, Bobby. Like, I just you guys get your five. It don't. We don't care who it is. The, have DK in there. He can send us his highlights of him dunking all he wants in high school. We not worried. Just you know, put the put the put the word out uh, that you know we we ready. Just letting you know if you want to be in the game too. All right, if that's what you, <laughs> hey, be careful what you ask for, dog. No, we we oh we ready. I'm the I'm All the right. like the officials. You know, remember how you told the Rams you want your hat and shirt? Oh, I want my hat and shirt. I want my hat and shirt. 
we 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 ready. Besides Kwanja, who else? Who else? Because Chris did. That's a good question by Chris. Oh, yeah. Jamal. Okay, there's the money. All right, answer. so send that text, man. We need DJ A, <laughs> hey, bro. The homies from the Seahawks, man to man, they really cool, bro. You gotta tap in with them one time. I got you. That's a bet. All yeah, right, man. man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, is there anything you want to add? Let the people know, especially the twelves listening. Anything you want to add before you shake, man? I hope we get fans because, man, <laughs> it, it'll be rocking. You feel me? Yep. Let me get the fans in there. So I haven't experienced it, but I already know about it. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah, that's right. A lot of you guys didn't play in front of the fans. I forgot. Yeah, you guys like you, Carlos. Yeah, came over here, never got the twelves. It's real, man. As people, as, as guys who have been there, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing like, like if they put you guys on the Rams and that rematch, that first time you guys played the Rams on like Sunday night. Oh man, with a with a packed house. Whoever's playing, Matt Stafford's not gonna be able to hear himself think. He's yeah. not. Like I promise you, that that's some that's gonna be special. That's what's up. I'm already knowing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast for tuning in with a shout out to everyone subscribing to our YouTube channel. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Mike Dugar. Follow Chris as well. DJ, where can they follow you on social media? Oh, yeah. Follow me on Instagram, DJ underscore too great. You feel oh. me? Thank you guys so much. Thank you to our guest, DJ Reed. Best of luck to you, brother, wherever you play in the secondary in 2021. We appreciate you guys. We'll catch you guys next time. We're out. Time to you.